0: This episode is made possible by our generous patrons Welcome to the
1: Ink to Film podcast where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm Luke and I'm James And this week we discuss the second half of P.D. James's 1992 novel The Children of Men We are now on to the alpha part of this novel. Uh, we covered the Omega last week, the first half. Second half, uh, there was there was some some changes to the world. I'm curious to know what, what you thought of this novel uh, compared to last week, like now that you've read the second half, what's your takeaways from it? What's your general thoughts about this novel? Everywhere I thought the book may have been going, it didn't really go down
0: those paths, and it may have just been from you know bringing in some of what i thought what happens in the movie and Mm -hmm. and maybe thinking it's more similar very different uh and maybe a little more hopeful than i was expecting so you you
1: found it hopeful (laughs) interesting i felt that there was moments of hope for sure more more than i was expecting i think now i only it's weird because like i'm realizing i only vaguely remember this movie um Mm -hmm. i was talking to somebody about it recently and uh trying to remember when I would have seen it last. And I think it was... I saw it in the theater, and the movie came out in 2006. And then I think I saw it again, like, maybe a year or two later. I remember watching it on, on like, a screen, like a TV screen. Um, but then that would have been the last time I saw it. So it's probably been a decade since I've seen this movie. Um, so, wow. understandably, I don't remember a lot of it. And And I was thinking, like, this... I think this kind of takes the story further, almost, than what we see in the film um but i'll be curious to revisit that when we get back to the movie episode like where does it go um i I have some like memories of certain things but like how it all holds together i don't really don't really remember
0: we'll talk about it when we get to the movie okay Uh,
1: but i do want to focus on this book because it it is in and of itself has a very interesting story uh definitely goes places i wasn't expecting and uh Yeah, man. I I don't know. I kind of feel like I just want to dive into summary so we can talk about specifics basically as soon as possible. But um, I I guess in general, I enjoyed the second half quite a bit. I found it to be a more compelling read, um, more of a page turner in a sense, even though it wasn't ever really like a thriller or anything. Like I did find myself eager to find out what happened next in a way that, that um, at times I wasn't in the first half. Um, You know, their flight, uh, in the car and there it sort of becomes like a travel travel log or something and and the excitement that 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 happens on the road um I don't know I found it compelling and I found it to to be a page turner
0: I some of these relationships I want to talk about as we as we move into this this chapter summer here so if you if you're ready I'm I'm ready to jump
1: into that okay yeah, so we're going to have full spoilers for the rest of the book as we progress through what happens. I have a summary here that's divided into four parts. So, I'm just going to read them four paragraphs. I'll read one at a time and we can talk about that part of the book. So, soon after Theo's return from his vacation, Miriam tells him that Gascoigne has was arrested as he was trying to rig a quietus landing stage to explode. The other fishes are about to go on the run and Julian wants him, Theo, to join. Miriam reveals why Julian did not come herself; she is pregnant. Theo believes Julian is deceiving herself, but when the two meet, Julian invites Theo to listen to her baby's heartbeat. So let's stop here. This is this is obviously a big moment. We ended last episode kind of theorizing about whether or not he was actually going to go on a vacation. Apparently, he did. He he went and traveled the Europe for a little while and then came back. Uh, were you surprised that that happened? Yeah, well, I just didn't think that I was going to go well for him, but apparently,
0: nothing too catastrophic happened while he was gone and he came back just in time for all the events to play
1: out and he was away Um, for six months which i think is also like it was kind of necessary to get julian along in her pregnancy uh so that may have been part of the narrative reason for doing it
0: and did you based on your knowledge of the of the movie did you see the julian pregnancy coming
1: um i guess i kind of did yeah it felt like it was going to be julian but i i i don't know i was i was undecided
0: i had no idea i, I did not think that, that was where uh this was story was going and if then it started to feel really weird to me okay. because he has like this and we i don't know how much we talked about this last episode but this this love that he's automatically feeling for julian um and she has this husband rolf <laughs> yeah and things get a lot more murky as we go along here uh what do you think of the, just this relationship being set up last half, and then seeing kind of his attraction to her in, and, and it's more than attraction, his love for her. Like,
1: yeah, his, like, he mentions how he feels like he like like drawn to her, and that he perhaps he loves her, and that maybe there is a mutual love there. And that's maybe why she requests him. I don't know. It 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 was tough for me to tell because it, a lot of it seemed like it was Theo kind of projecting onto her but later in the book it kind of seems confirmed in a sense yeah i guess i don't really know what to make of it we kind of get like a not a love triangle a love square (laughs) um you know we get everybody loves julian in a way right and and so she very much seems to me like this this mother mary figure right and she's carrying essentially the the new jesus christ and there's a lot of that like religious symbolism um, I noticed that there are essentially three men which you could you could liken to the three wise men from the Bible in uh, Theo Rolf and um, Luke Luke yeah what a name to forget for a moment um, <laughs> <laughs> um, right there's so there's three men and you have the midwife and then you have Julian and that's that's our five companions um, essentially Theo takes the place of Gascoigne who is sort of, off camera picked up by, by the, by the SSP and apparently killed is what we are, what we are told. And so now they're going to be on the run essentially, and they need Theo's help. Now the, I thought it was very telling that he finds, um, the baby and the, um, the pregnant woman, I should say in a chapel. And there's sort of this almost holy moment of him kneeling at the, at the side of the baby and, I like how he didn't believe it like he said like oh it'll be up to me I'm you know I'll believe it you tell me and I'll it'll be up to me to decide and then as soon as he hears it immediately he doesn't believe he's like no no fucking way and until he's confronted with it and he feels the baby kicking and that's when that's like when he knows it to be true Uh, what did you think of that whole part?
0: Yeah, I was picking up on some of the religious stuff, but this, the second half really took it to the next level. Clearly very heavily influenced story by Christianity. The symbolism that's being drawn with kind of the salvation of the human race, you know, this, this like second coming of, of the human race, this is the beginning of the the next chapter. um, It's very evocative of, of what Christianity would have you believe. And I think that that, I, we talked about it with with something like Good Omens, how people people bring a lot to a story that has religion built into it, and I think that that is. And I, I mentioned in Good Omens how it's it's really effective at engaging people really quickly, when without a lot of setup because people are familiar with it in varying degrees. But uh, I think that this this book feel like the moments that you're talking about. They do feel like like come to Jesus moments, like these huge. In moments of importance that would be written down in like a second bible or something it's right. like this it's so it's such a religious experience it's so holy for this child to be born and and for these people to be shepherding this woman along her way and and uh having keeping evil away from the from the child and and th- from from the birth and uh, yeah. they're just treating it with with clearly a lot of uh a lot of respect and and grandeur,
1: I guess. I don't want to say that it's that it's overly heavy handed, though. It, it never really felt that way to me. Like it was always kind of there. And um, there's also a lot of darkness and like human weakness, and um, some savagery that happens in the later half of the book here. Oh, yeah. And there's even a part later where Theo is sort of thinking about God and how that if there is a God, that he's not a God of love. He's a God of weakness and and or he's a god for the strong and and the god of violence and how that's like permeated this entire world and i i agree with what you're saying because theo really to me is the
0: reason why the book isn't so so religious because he he doubts everything all along the way
1: yeah i agree with that i do think that if if you come into this book and you're a deeply religious person and you read this novel um it's gonna be like setting off all sorts of things in your head you're like oh this is this is the second coming and this is uh, this is this is clearly you know God doing this and doing that and it's going to speak to you on that level. But I think as someone, both of us are agnostic, coming to this, um, we read it differently and we see we see the religious things being said. But um, it did it in a way that wasn't like tur- a turnoff for me, where it wasn't like too heavy handed. Um, so I was still able to enjoy it. And I liked the sort of like, is it or is it it not? Is that something we're just bringing to it as humans who believe in this thing? Um, The fact that Julian herself believes in it and certain characters seem to. um, Are they just sort of um, bringing this story and giving it that holy importance based off their own, I don't know, human weakness? (laughs) Um, Does that make any sense of what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, well, I think it is. What you're saying is that the
0: religion that they believe in is being touched upon because they are giving it that importance whereas like right. someone who maybe wasn't christian or didn't believe in those things wouldn't have seen these as signs from god or something like that it was just like a lucky happenstance
1: yeah we don't see any like miracles right um other than the you know quote-unquote miracle of childbirth if you want to view it that way but other than that like there's no like oh, yeah, clearly God intervened here, right? Like, I I, I can't yeah. think of any moments like that. I
0: feel like there, there are a couple of moments where I feel like the
1: characters wish God had intervened. Yeah. So during the group's flight, Luke is killed while trying to p- protect Julian during a confrontation with a wild gang of Omegas. Okay, before we get to that, actually, um, the, the summary skips over. They go to Jasper's house. They find he's killed himself, um, and they take his car, right? There's also a moment where Theo gets a gun, and it has one bullet in it, and he takes that with it. And I and as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, we got Chekhov's gun here with one bullet in it. Um, so this is obviously going to be important going forward. Who's going to get shot? What's he going to do with this one bullet? Um, that was something that I was constantly thinking about. Um, maybe, I don't know, did that stand out to you? Is that something you're familiar with? Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely. It's
0: it's gonna play a part part right like every anything that's given importance or anything. That's specifically a gun like this with one shot Is yeah. given a certain amount of importance. So and if yeah. it's and if it's set up, it's got to go off right by the third act so
1: Yeah, I mean that's the simplification of it and Chekhov's gun rightfully is a metaphor. It doesn't have to be about a gun It can be about lots of things, right? Um, but it's essentially about setups and payoffs um, but here it is a gun, and here it has a single bullet in it's it. It's literally
0: Chekhov's gun, and the there's story.
1: a several times where he mentions like the one bullet gun and, and all this stuff, and like you just know like the there wouldn't be such. Oh, and it was also like a, actually a really kind of chilling, interesting moment where he sees the bullet and he and he doesn't know he, it, why was there one bullet left, and he said either it could be um, a mercy. Yeah, it's like what, or is it like a like oh, in case you want to join me, I'm, I left an extra gun uh, bullet in the chamber, right? Because he shot himself. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was fascinating. What were the two options? Was is is it
0: either it was a it was a weapon that you could use out out and about if you needed it, or it was like if you needed to end it all and, and join him kind of thing. Yeah, I don't remember what the Latin phrase actually fully meant and everything, but that was I think that was the gist of it. Right. I want to mention because you, you you just talked about it the Omegas. Were you under Mm -hmm. the impression that the Omegas were, I mean, this is clearly a radical group of Omegas, but this struck me as really interesting that these, these kids growing up in this environment would turn to basically just becoming this like tribe of what, like anarchists, like, like feral almost, I don't know, like a group of animals, like ready to tear
1: people apart and, and take human sacrifices or they're, they're, they're described as like being the painted ones or something having painted faces they scalp people apparently they have some sort of ritual thing where they ambush cars and um kill one person apparently is very specific they kill one person and then they burn the car and they let everyone else go yeah i don't know it definitely doesn't seem like this is all omegas this just happens to be like this one group that are like this it seems like they've kind of been talked about as like a almost a myth like an urban legend but they apparently are real and uh It was an exciting scene and um, obviously leads to some high drama. Um, Let me let me read what happens here. So during the group's flight, Luke is killed while trying to protect Julian during a confrontation with a wild gang of Omegas. Julian then confesses that the father of her child is not Rolf, but rather the deceased Luke. Rolf, who believes he should rule the UK in Zan's place, is angered at the discovery and he abandons the group to notify the warden. Okay, so that jumps over actually a lot of pages of book here. So we get the big confrontation, and then and then I actually thought it was pretty funny, but also clever for Theo to say, like, well, let's just join in the dance, and then maybe that'll throw them off enough to where we'll have a chance to escape. and it, And it seems this to work
0: this was absurd to me this this <laughs> felt like it was breaking breaking some of the tension or breaking some of the world just because it was so such a weird thing to have happened rather than it being like it's this high drama situation and then they're like you know what if we just dance and act like we're some of them maybe the, it's like a, what you do in a zombie movie like you act like the zombies <laughs> and you cover yourself well, in guts and dead. you walk your way through <laughs> right so like it just seemed really absurd to me to, in this story um but ultimately, it was, you know, an interesting, interesting choice. This this is a sci-fi element. I, I don't even know if I would call it sci-fi, maybe like an apocalyptic element that I wasn't expecting.
1: Well, it's almost like Lord of the Flies, like they they're out here as a wild group and they have formed their own religion. They formed their own, you know, hierarchy of, of, you know, power and then like what they're going to do and rituals. And I don't know, I could almost see it working like. They, if they truly believe in whatever this ritualistic dance is that if the people start joining in, they're just gonna be like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's all do yeah. it together. Um, I don't know. It's kinda it's kind of bizarre and like definitely insane. Like what is what the hell is even happening here?
0: The it's very reminiscent of something that happens in the movie. Um yeah. just in a totally different way. And so I can kind of see wh- what what Alfonso drew from this for the for the movie, but also you know a pretty f- brutal death
1: so the big reveal right of that that rolf who has all along been you know saying that he is the father and he's been um do we talk about how he thinks that he's going to be able to like rule the country once it's revealed that he's the father and he thinks he's just going to take zan's place and become the new ruler and clearly he doesn't have like any better ideas he's just going to be the new dictator is what he, all he really seems to want um yeah theo doesn't like him from the get-go and they they're butting heads throughout this journey, um, and this is this
0: is and, Julian's husband.
1: Yeah, it's her it's her husband. Yeah. So,
0: so this is like we're
1: we're led
0: to believe for the entire book so far that this is the the father of the baby,
1: right? But then uh, Luke uh, sees. So Julian and Rolf try and get away. And then, like one of the Omegas goes to grab her, and then Luke basically like saves her by breaking away and says, "Take me instead. Don't, don't, you know, like, don't take her." And then in doing that, it's like he's self-selected that he's going to be the sacrifice. So all the Omegas descend on him and like, cr- like beat him to death with clubs. I and mean, it's mm-hmm. actually like the way it's written, like Theo can hear the bones just like crunching, filling the air and stuff. Yeah, um, I just gotta this... give it to uh, P.D. James. the the This book bu- this book is really well written. And once I got into the style, I started to to really appreciate uh, the the especially like the sensory details are mm-hmm. really definitely done.
0: Well, it's really intelligently written too. Like you, yeah. it, it's not an easy read because it I think it it challenges challenges you as a reader um, in terms of vocabulary and just just sentence structure and all of that, but. Yeah, it gets pretty brutal, right? Even the even the the suicide of uh Jasper. Jasper, yeah. He his suicide is pretty brutal too. It's just she she's oh, yeah. talking about the brains all over the place and and you know how like goes into graphic detail of like how he killed himself by putting the gun in his mouth and his brains were everywhere. So uh, yeah, it it definitely goes there. It doesn't pull any punches. Uh wanted to talk about Luke being a pastor and then also sacrificing himself and kind of the the allegory or the parallels there to
1: to religion did do you think luke knew he was the father
0: yeah i I think so
1: okay i don't know i guess i didn't i i couldn't decide because she Mm. never says anything about like having told him that he's the father but you would think that he would suspect that he could be at least
0: yeah and i guess like whether he was willing to to die to save the baby if it was his or or wasn't his makes him a hero and, and that sacrifice really powerful but i i just assumed that in his heart of hearts he knew
1: it's like a gut punch to the reader too because he's sacrificed himself and you're like at the same time you're like oh yeah he did what he had to do to, to save them but then when you find out that he was the father and you know that perhaps his sperm is like the thing that worked and then now he's dead it's like potentially all hope is now lost right like no you don't really know was that the one piece that you needed in order for this to continue to work? And, and he just died before anyone knew about it. And then on top of that, Rolf's betrayal, right? So it's it's it hits you on multiple levels.
0: Well, yeah, Rolf's betrayal, we have to talk about that separately. But it was interesting that they described how Luke had been able to dodge the sperm test and everything,
1: basically. Yeah, because he had
0: epilepsy as a
1: child or something.
0: Yeah, So so... I just thought that was an interesting way to be like, "Oh, maybe there's something scientific going on, maybe it's something faith based maybe you know what I mean keeping keeping that mystery alive all the way through
1: well it's like it's like the evils of eugenics essentially are are what's prevented this from happening. It's the idea of like oh, we can't have anyone who's weak, we can't have anyone who's got a deformity or has had a has had a childhood sickness or something. They're exempt from the test, um which is a eugenics idea and then mm-hmm. you and, and then i like that it's that's the where where the where it starts kind of working again um in that sector of of humanity i don't i don't know i don't know what that really says but it, other than eugenics are bad <laughs> right a bold stance <laughs> <laughs>
0: so Rolf's uh, betrayal here
1: well so first off he feels betrayed uh, right, he feels betrayed by what's happened. Obviously, it's his wife has has slept with Luke. He didn't know about it. He's been deceiving himself into thinking that he is like the savior of humanity and that his sperm is so important. And they talk a lot about breeding, and it's unclear if he like thinks he's actually going to be like doing the breeding himself or what. Um, uh, you know, or if it's if, if it's going to be more like a sperm collection thing. It definitely, I don't know. I I always got the feeling from Rolf that like this guy was was going to be, was so power hungry that he was going to be a disaster anyway. So, you know, we see him sort of, and I didn't know where this character was going. Like, is he going to grow from this or is he going to, you know, what's going to happen with him, right? And he's, at first he's sticking around and he seems to be taking it pretty well after having like, obviously it's, it's very devastating for him at first, but then like the next day he seems to be like somewhat coping. And then all of a sudden he just disappears in the night one night and then they immediately realize like, oh, shit, he's going to the warden and he's going to like tell him and try and ally himself with with the power now. And in hopes to to get some some of that power that he thought he was going to get originally.
0: Now, after all of this that they've gone through to avoid the warden and just to, to keep the baby safe and all of that, he, his revenge, he thinks in some world he's going to go to the warden tell him all this information and then get power from that or, or become more important in some way. And how is he not able to understand that they're clearly just going to take him,
1: use him for his information and then move on? You know, he's so dumb. Um, I mean like the whole, the whole thing, conversation he has with Theo about how he thinks it's going to go down and how he's going to become the new leader of England when you have like an entrenched dictator who is not going to give up power. Um, it's just, I don't know. He seemed he always seemed like an idiot to me. And I believe that an idiot would think that that this would work.
0: See, I want to talk about two things with Theo here. The first being he has this superiority complex and it comes up when he's talking to Rolf and he, Rolf is saying all this stuff and just how he's basically like, I'm here because of the baby and you guys are all morons and you don't understand what's going on. And, and like he, and then you know him and Rolf have a conversation and Rolf is like, you shouldn't be here. You, you Anybody who's not educated like you, you look down on and all that. Um, which makes for interesting situations especially like the situation where he is jealous or like angry in some way towards julian because she rolf isn't the father and then she slept with luke as well and he sees it as a betrayal because he loves her out of nowhere and yet yeah that was a that was really interesting to me because he because we're in his head we understand why he feels this way and he says it himself that it's irrational, but I just thought that was a weird headspace to get into because he's he's mad at the betrayal of Rolf because it means that Julian was sleeping around, I guess. Yeah, and that like lowers her, her in his eyes.
1: Well, and there's even a moment where uh, Julian is like kneeling over the grave, I think of of. Um of luke because they buried him and he has this image of her as being a defecating animal and then he like immediately like it's like oh i shouldn't have thought that and then i was like well why did the author put that in the book though and um i think it is that it's like we're supposed to see that theo in this moment all of a sudden she's less holy to him um she's very animalistic and in her uh, you know the fact that she was sleeping around like you said but like why include that in the book as the author and I think it is trying to say like on the one it's 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 the di- dichotomy of the holy and the very human and like the very grounded, the animalistic part of it. Right. And um, how those two things seem almost incompatible, I think, is kind of where this book lives, too, in some way. The- Theo, his, we talked about it
0: in the first episode, but he's such an unlikable character in, in yeah. so many ways. I mean, I assumed that we were going to see this arc, but it, t- it takes a long time for him to start to really come around as a character that we can at least get behind his actions and his thoughts because for a long time it just seems like he he wants he's very just self-interested
1: i agree with that now they're also they also do this thing where theo reads um from the bible i think our prayer book um as they're putting luke into the earth and this is where we actually get the children of men passage that you talked about last week uh so i think it's probably best if i just read the passage here this is This is, uh, and forgive me, I'm not going to read it great, because it's kind of uh, that old Bible language. We'll see how I do. (laughs) Um, But here is the passage that the book apparently draws its name from. Lord, thou hast been our refuge from one generation to another. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever the earth and the world were made, thou art God from everlasting and world without end. Thou turnest man to destruction... Against thou sayest, Come again, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, seen that is past as a watch in the night. And then I think it skips a little bit, and then the other part of the book gives us Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, in sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. So. Um, that, I mean, some of that's pretty familiar. We've heard Ashes to Ashes, Dust to Dust. Obviously, this is a very common funeral rite. Um, mm-hmm. The bit about Children of Men, how does that, I guess the question is, how does that pertain to this book? Why is it called that? And and what's the purpose of it all? <laughs> Easy questions. Right. I feel like as
0: you read it, I understand it more, but t- I still can't really put my finger on exactly what it's trying to say. But what what I would guess is just the idea that through God there is salvation and and through through like this through Jesus there is salvation but this ashes to ashes dust to dust it's basically saying like you will I think it's like one day everyone dies but you can you can carry on through God and I, I think they're putting it on this book and this situation as everything maybe things are coming to an end but like there will be some sort of new beginning and I think like the children of men is like, the next generation or the, the follow-up to what was what was the
1: norm before. So so the key line here is, Thou turnest man to destruction. So if you think about that as like the apocalypse that we're seeing now, you, the men have been turned towards destruction through the infertility. And then it says, Again thou sayest, Come again, ye children of men. So again... Children are to be born, right? And starting with this child that we're reading about here. Um, And then, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, seen that is past as a watch in the night. So that's the part that is throwing me a little bit. I'm not really sure how that, what exactly that's saying. Um, Other than this is something that um, has been going on for a thousand years, um, but it can seem as only yesterday. And then it says, seeing that is past as a watch in the night.
0: I think it's basically just saying like it's a very, you know, in in God's eye, it's very quick, right? It's like some sort it's basically saying like all of this that's happened over a thousand years um has has been really quick to to his eye or something, but I don't know. I'm I'm definitely out of my depth at this point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think really um, what what I draw from it is just that there there's like a second chance or like a second there's like a, a promise of of another I don't want to say salvation, but another
1: chance. So I think that's like kind of the biblical side of it, but I think there is also like sort of a more, I don't know, almost like meta meaning and and, and grander meaning that I think the book is trying to get at, which I think I want to revisit once we once we get through the rest of the plot. Um, so let's move on. Now there's another part that I know that my summary just jumps over that I do want to stop and talk about, and that's um, Theo has to go and rob this older couple of their car and then come back and get the because like their car got destroyed by the omega so they have to go get another car um and so he goes and he like has a home invasion essentially this older couple he ties them up and then he's like feels bad he tries to get them water he helps them use, each use the bathroom he, they have this plan to where they're i think their somebody works for them is going to come and, and find them in the morning so he's like you just have to stay through the night and he feels very guilty about it but then he he takes their car and whatever supplies he can find and goes to, to get um, Miriam and Julian. But what did you think of that whole section? Like, it, it goes on for quite a while. And um, we later learn that one of, that the, the older woman ends up dying. Um, we don't know why. And, and uh, I don't know. What did you think of that whole part?
0: I think there's a couple things being set up here. One more clearly than the other. Um, he, he very clearly feels bad in the in the moment we can tell because he keeps going back and taking care of these people but as we come to realize later and it's kind of said in the book uh he, he was he in some way was like he was getting something out of it he was enjoying the power he was understanding what power meant and like there was something else there other than him just going to do exactly what he needed to do take the car and go so he f- he feels bad but it's almost like out of obligation maybe and then ultimately later when he learns that the the older woman died, he, he snaps and he's like, there was something else there. Like I was kind of like drunk on the power and I was enjoying it. And I think that sets up ultimately what happens in the in the end. But we'll talk about that in a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I, I felt like it also brought back the death of his daughter in a way because it's an accidental death that he is ultimately responsible. So it's like, I feel like these, these moments remind him that he is not something like sp- Special and holy like that. He is very human and that he is fallible and that he makes mistakes that lead to to Suffering and death
0: one of my favorite things in the book is just because we've got to know this character so much and there's there's kind of the line that he says He's been able to do so many evil things without intending to and like what could he wreak? Like what could he bring about if he tried to be an evil person and just talking about, you know the the death of his his daughter and then the death of this woman if he was actually trying to be an evil person, like think about how much more damage he could do.
1: Yeah. All right. I'll get you the next part of the uh, summary here. The group heads to a shack that Theo knows of from his childhood. Um, m- memories back with, with Zan. So Miriam delivers Julian's baby in the shack who ends up being a boy, not a girl as Julian had thought. Miriam then goes to find more supplies. And then after she has gone for too long, Theo goes to investigate. He finds Miriam dead, garroted in a nearby house. Theo then returns to Julian, but soon afterward, Julian hears a noise outside, and it's Zan. All right, so that that covers a lot. Um, we get the we get the the finding of the shack, uh, the disposing of the of the of the car. They put it in the pond, and then um, the birth, um, which is actually like a, a really interesting scene, right? Like it was it was written in such a way that that I found pretty fascinating.
0: Theo is very clearly going to he loves julian and she loves him at this point and it's being stated multiple times just during the birth and he's trying to help and she wants she wants him there uh and then afterwards uh miriam leaves because she says that like her job is done and it's time for like julian and theo to be together with the baby and try to get the baby to start feeding
1: Uh, i thought this was all very biblical too like the idea of like you know jesus in the manger in the in the in the barn right and or you know what have you and this is like in a shed and it's it's like there's it's very low tech there's no one else there it's just them um it also is described in such a way as like almost the three of them together were like one being um and he feels very bonded to julian through this um i don't know yeah it was all it was all. Very interesting. Um, I don't know what else to say about it other than than I like it. It, it definitely made me think. Um, it it kind of highlighted the sort of like everyday miracle of childbirth, and how in this situation it would not it would not seem everyday because it hadn't happened in so long that it, it's very feels very momentous. When
0: when Miriam was leaving, I just had a really really bad idea, uh, bad feeling. I was like, this this is not going to go well. <laughs> yeah. very clearly it wasn't gonna go well for her and at this point they're kind of just waiting
1: i thought it was kind of flimsy like the reason that she would have to leave it was like he spilled some water and then for some reason she's like i have to go to the house to see if there's more you stay here theo she wants to be with you and i was like well yeah as soon as that was the case of i don't know this is gonna go well what did you think about that whole thing and like her how the way he finds her oh i mean that was that was definitely
0: brutal i thought she was just going to be gone and disappeared i didn't think that they were going to like send a message with her body basically
1: um it was kind of bizarre like who garroted her and why and why was she left in that way why did they let theo find her and not not intercede at any point because i got the feeling that they must have been around like watching it right
0: well, I think that yeah, I think very clearly it was a message being sent. I just don't understand. I think the the main reason is just to like let Theo know like a hundred percent like they mean business. It's not about it's not about what anybody wants at this point other than Zan and he has all the power. Well, um, I
1: think narratively it's also um, I think to further underline to us in case we had any doubt, Zan is bad, and yeah, that's true. You know, we shouldn't root for that guy because he's evil.
0: But it's it's really crazy that he. You know, he doesn't think that the baby's born yet. When we, well, I guess we're that's jumping ahead a little bit. So we'll talk about that in a second. But Miriam leaving not only felt like a bad idea, but it didn't, it, to me, felt like she was such an important character at that point. And it's highlighted that Julian uh doesn't really mourn Luke's death that much the the father of the baby and and yet when Miriam dies she's so much more, she's cl- so clearly distraught and she she cared so much seemingly cared so much more about this process that they all went through together and like the birth of her baby and how she she died helping save save the, Julian and the baby and i just think that what do you what do you make of that that like she she wasn't really affected by Luke's death but Miriam's was so much more even though Luke like effectively sacrificed himself for her
1: I guess I, I read it more that um, now that the child has been born, she's able to sort of allow herself to feel these things. Before that, it was like she had a mission and she was on that mission still. And until the child was born, it's like she couldn't let herself give in to grief. And then on, and Miriam's death is kind of like the final straw, I guess, that breaks that. And so that was my interpretation of it. Although I think the like Theo kind of has this thought of like, oh, I can't believe she's so upset about Miriam and not about Luke. But... I don't know if that's just his sort of perspective on it that we're getting, or if yeah. that's supposed to be more of like authorial, in, you know, interpretation of what's happening. I don't know. Yeah, I have
0: one more question about something. I was wondering how it struck you this idea that they're so they're on the run from Zan, and yeah. they don't want to be found on with the before the baby's born. And so the baby's born and then they ultimately kind of all agree and realize that like there's no way that they can outrun him any longer. They're gonna be caught by Zan. So they're just waiting out this idea that they're gonna be caught by Zan. Why was it and like I kind of touched on it before, but why was it so important to them to not to, to have the baby born before Zan got to got to her in your like other than other than like his the power moves
1: that he was gonna make? So she she um they talk about this a little bit and they imagine like if if zan had gotten there he would have taken her and it would have been televised and um there would have been a team of doctors standing around and zan would have been you know the one to announce the birth of the child and i think at first it seems just like the lack of privacy is pretty appalling but then i think it is also supposed to be like this is too important a moment for that and to do it in that way would make it I don't know, it would like lessen it in a way. It would make it more about that societal structure and that leader and that moment versus like a moment for all mankind that isn't supposed to be linked to any one government or any one um, person other than like the mother, I guess, and the uh, of the child.
0: Yeah, I like that. I, I could because it felt like it was all for nothing if you think of it in terms of just like what's actually going to happen because ultimately like if Zan catches them he's still gonna even though the baby has been born he's still gonna be like put the baby up on this pedestal and be like look what we've been able to do in our country and still make it about him but yeah i thought that it was interesting that the characters it was so important to them that that this miracle this moment happened without him around and you know julian talks about the like the idea of like evil being around during during the birth of the child and i think that that also kind of this
1: idea of like evil vibes or evil Well, let's get to the final bit here because i think the final bit changes things a little bit and then also recontextualizes maybe uh what's going on here so theo and zan confront each other outside the the shack and they both fire at each other one shot the sudden wailing of the baby startles zan causing him to miss as rolf had thought the baby would not be born for another month so zan didn't expect the baby to be born theo shoots and kills zan he removes from Zan's finger the coronation ring, which Zan had taken as wearing as a symbol of authority, and he seems poised to become the new leader of the UK at least temporarily. Um, that's maybe some editorializing on the part of the person who's writing the synopsis. Um, now, the other members of the council are introduced to the baby, and Theo then baptizes the baby, and that's the end of the book. All right, so let's let's back up a little bit here. I did not expect this book to end with a with a like showdown. Gunfight between Zan and Theo. Um, I, that was a pretty surprising turn it It seems like I don't know, kind of kind of contrived to get to this moment to be here. like I don't know if I really buy that this would ever actually occur. But it is what happens in the book. You know, our one bullet is used and it shoots Zan through the heart. There was, I think, I was remembering that I think there was a moment early in the book where we see uh, Theo doing some target practice or something shooting. So it was kind of set up that he could be a decent enough shot to pull this off. Um, Yeah. What did you think of that whole that whole bit? To
0: get back to the Chekhov's gun thing, I think it's funny that it literally is Chekhov's gun in this situation. You know what I mean? Like, as you were saying before, it's like. Could be used metaphorically. Could be used for you know any number of things being set up and then paid off at the end. But it literally is Chekhov's gun, so uh, yeah. it went off as as is normal within within a narrative like that.
1: Although I guess I guess in the defense of it, it wasn't introduced in the in the in the first act. It was introduced in the second act. <laughs> well, isn't Ch- I thought Chekhov's gun was like
0: I thought Chekhov's gun was like if it's set up whatever act it's set up in the following act is is when it's supposed to be fired, right?
1: Oh. I think my, what I've always heard is like, if there's a gun in the first act, it must go off in the third act. But it's all like not even really true storytelling wise. It's more just about setups and payoffs. Um, Essentially, if you set something up that like there becomes a narrative expectation to have it pay off eventually.
0: There was a period of time where it was, it was all the rage to to subvert that too, obviously to set something up and then not have anything pay off from it. And it's like this sort of, you know, ironic thing that, that can happen. But anyway. Right. So Zan, Zan shows up for the showdown
1: and by himself alone appear, apparently is in front of the the cabin, facing down Theo.
0: Right, and I, you know he he's like showing up and acting like he knows the whole situation. He's like, I have helicopters ready, I have ambulances ready to take the baby and the best care is going to be given. And then something happens where Theo says like, What's going to happen to her? And then and then off like kind of offhandedly, uh, Zan is like, Yeah, I'll just probably just end up marrying her or something. which I thought was really interesting and look into his character even more because it's literally all just about power moves for him. And we know we've clearly we know this, but there's kind of a flashback that happens earlier on. And and Zan is talking about how, like, he wants to join the army and then potentially get into politics. And and he's kind of shitting on what Theo wants to do, which is, you know, be studious and, and be an academic but but in that moment, Theo knows like okay if this is what he wants, this is what he's going to get. So he's going to become a huge politician, and he was able to to angle himself to be this dictator. Uh, really interesting that he's he's basically just saying like yeah, I'm going to marry her before the popularity boost plus the, like the idea that everyone will praise him as the leader even more.
1: And is, and that seems to be one of the final straws for Theo and to make him want to shoot him right because he's in love mm-hmm. with her and he can't stand the idea of it. Um, I, I, ultimately, I, it feels like the patriarchy is alive and strong in the end here. Um, we get these two men sort of discussing her fate uh, without her even being a part of the conversation. Um, and then, you know, we see we see Theo kill Zan and then take the coronation ring and put it on, and then apparently people just start listening to him as if he is the the new leader. Um, I thought that was pretty bold. Um, I, I Do you think that that would go down that way? Would people just respect the ring? I just don't know. I mean,
0: I... When he was putting it on, I, so so I like the idea behind this, right? It's the idea that Theo, who was this, this selfish guy, um, kind of started to get a redemption arc going, and then in the very end, we're asked the question of, like, is he going to do the right thing, or is he going to do the wrong thing and abuse power just in his own way? You know, a way he thinks to be the correct way, and we, being so close to this character, think, oh, hopefully, like, whatever he does will be good for everyone. What he should be doing is basically saying, like, the dictatorship is the wrong way to go about this.
1: Yeah, But instead he's like, I'm going to wear the ring for a time and then I'll eventually I'll decide if I want to take it off. Right, yeah. he wants to like, he wants to grapple with this power and, and see if he can wield it,
0: which is you know, ultimately I think we know that that's a foolhardy thing yeah. to even attempt. It seems like he's sort power... of
1: become Rolf here in the end, right? In right, power
0: just, power corrupts. He's going to be corrupted by this, whether it's what he cuz everyone thinks what they're doing is is the right thing. So, yeah, here at the end any any slugs? I mean,
1: that's our view of it. And I tend to agree with you, but you could possibly say like, "Oh no, he will he'll abdicate this and he'll once he once, you know, he doesn't need to anymore. He'll set aside the ring and he'll set aside his power." Well, maybe well, in terms of the story, yeah, we're happy because he's able to use the ring to to basically
0: squash the situation and make sure that julian's okay and the child's gonna be cared for in the correct way um but he does this thing where he's like sliding the ring off on his finger off his finger trying to decide mm-hmm. uh which i thought was you know kind of clever and and i actually thought he was gonna put it on to get everybody to
1: stand down and then take it off but he didn't i thought he was gonna take it off and put it on julian
0: oh interesting
1: that would have been a turn right but now or the
0: baby just <laughs> slip it on the baby's arm
1: <laughs> yeah um but none of those things happen. He leaves it on, and um, then then there's like yeah, kind of a I don't know, almost almost too much scene of the of the baptism where like he's crying, and then his tears are mixing with blood, and then he uses that to like draw a cross on the baby's forehead, and then like that, that's the end. And that was where it was like, oh boy, this is really really getting heavy handed with the sort of religious themes here. Um, so yeah, what did you think of that final moment of the of the bat- baptism christening? I so- guess.
0: I'm assuming. I'm assuming the reason he was the the one doing the christening is because he holds the ring now. He he's like given the power to because he's he's very clearly not a believer in any way. Yeah. Uh, throughout the book at least, and maybe he's you know come to some sort of faith with all the miracle, the, this miracle that he's seen around him and and the the influence of the people that are around him. But it was weird that he was the one doing the christening and that it was. Yeah, it was so immediate. I, I mean, I get it because that's what people do when, when children are born. A lot of times it's like the, the baby's like baptized really quickly. Um, but, yeah, I just I, I don't know if it was really necessary. And a lot of this ending felt to me really wrapping it up in a nice, nice bow. And maybe I'm just comparing it to the book in my or sorry, to the to the movie in my head. But it felt really. Uh, it felt really final. And I kind of was hoping for more of an open ended ending.
1: Yeah no i agree with that and it seemed like i don't know on on the surface it seems a little bit stretching of my credibility like or of the author's credibility it's like would the dictator himself truly like show up and and, and engage in a gunfight one-on-one with this guy and then would his followers immediately follow the new person who murdered him like you just you murder you shoot the king and then you pick up the crown you put it on essentially and then everyone goes oh you're the new king um like is that really the way this would go down or would they just gun down this guy immediately like the guys in the woods to shoot him just shoot theo right like it's, right. it's too I don't it's know. just a little too happy for me like I, yeah. I think that if
0: he if he had like put the ring on and like maybe
1: people hesitated but then killed him or something i, I just don't know if it, like i don't know i, think, I it, think it's not ultimately that happy because he could be the new dictator it just it just feels flimsy. Like I just don't know that I believe that it would go down that way, I guess. Um in yeah. a, in a sense, but ultimately, I guess it wasn't a huge problem. It just was like okay, I don't know. It felt a little contrived. All right, so that's the end of the book, man. What what was your overall thoughts on this novel? Um now that we've talked about this whole thing and did it change from beginning to end? It
0: was just so much different than I was expecting. I and I know that I've said this multiple times because I keep comparing it in my head to the to the the film, but it was so so different and so much closer to this character than I thought we were going to get. And it's so clearly his perspective, which I think gives it a, an interesting edge and an interesting kind of point of view. I don't know. I, I liked how they played with his his arc and, and like whether he, because I, you know, the more traditional arc would have been like, he's a piece of shit and then he becomes a better person. And then by the end, he's a good person. And here it's like kind of left somewhat open-ended. It's like, is he going to be a new dictator? Is he, what's going to happen here? But I think ultimately it's written more in the idea that like, he's going to do good for everyone. Cause he's learned from all of these experiences he's been through. And I still kind of cling to the idea that this is a story that could also take place in this, in the same world as, as the movie cuz i like the idea that maybe like uh, cuz the the way that the pregnancy is brought about in the in the movie is so much different and i like the idea that maybe like at the same time uh two two women are are pregnant and you know it's like this the return of of this uh humans like fertility and everything i don't mm-hmm. know i just think that's like a fun little headcanon i keep playing with but uh, yeah i was expecting it to be a little more a little dark all the way through and I guess it was kind of. So why does he throw out his, his journal, uh, his, his diary? He throws it into the pond at one point. I think it's probably because he's ashamed of, of the way that he was looking at people and, and, and the person that he was at the beginning and the way that he was judging people and, and kind of his thought process. Uh, and maybe, you know, some of the stuff that I was talking about, how he was like so reluctant to help when it's so clearly the right thing to do.
1: He's le- so he, in a sense, he's leaving the past version of himself behind in that moment. I think so. I think it's the, that turning over a new leaf. I like that read. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of little moments that I feel like we could highlight and talk about, um, you know, like, and try and figure out what do they mean. I imagine there's probably been a lot of, like, really in-depth critical analysis out there that written about this book. I could be wrong, but it just seems like it's rife for that sort of sort of stuff. Um, like, there's a moment when the, the car is disappearing into the pond, and he has, like, a vivid... um almost dreamlike thing where he imagines him and uh julian and miriam all trapped in the car and like drowning and that seemed bizarre and it was like why was that included and i don't know is there a reading of this book where you could say like oh that's what actually happened and then like everything we saw is actually just like a dream and like they actually crashed the car into the pond i don't know um but uh i don't know did any of that occur to you in that moment
0: no, no, I not that didn't wasn't really anywhere where my head went. Uh, but you just reminded yeah. me of this whole argument where Rolf and and Theo are fighting over who's going to who's going to drive the car. And then ultimately, Rolf and, you know, it, it speaks to his character, but he like he's so arrogant about about having to drive the car and being the leader. And then he ends up like fucking it up somehow and like popping a tire. Yeah. Uh, it, I just thought that was really funny because, you, you know, you brought up the car Uh, so much car trouble in this movie and so much like needing to get a car and needing to get supplies and it becomes really this like road survival story.
1: Yeah, I I enjoyed all those parts. And and it seems like I I feel like I've been overall fairly critical in this analysis, but like I enjoyed reading this this second half of this novel. I thought it was a compelling read. Um, Like I said, in a sense, it turned into kind of a page turner for me. Uh, You know, I was able to read a lot of it in just one sitting. Um, And yeah, I, I found it, I found it enjoyable. I'm glad I read it. Um, I think it brought up a lot of uh, powerful, philosophical, religious, you know, what does it all mean sort of (laughs) thoughts in my head, which is always good. Um, I like engaging with that sort of stuff. And uh, so ultimately, I'm glad I read it. I think if you're a fan of the movie and you're curious about it and you've gotten this far, (laughs) um, you should you should check out this novel because it seems like you're interested enough in it to uh, to listen to us talk about it. If you are, I think it's uh, it can be a rather enjoyable read.
0: Yeah, and I think bringing, like I'm about to, bringing all of this information and kind of this world building into the the movie to maybe add a little more texture, I I think that's going to be a lot of fun uh, to kind of piece together our own like headcanon like I was talking about with maybe these stories taking place at the same time. You know, probably isn't, if you look at the really nitty gritties, probably not going to be able to happen in the same world very clearly. I would also be really interested to hear another viewpoint on this because we very clearly came to it with a certain you know, kind of headspace and, and philosophical background. I, you know, like, how does this read for someone who is really religious? Do you think that mm. they do you think that they engage with it and, and enjoy it? Do you think that they turn away from it a little bit and see it as kind of not in line with a lot of the things that they believe? I don't mm. know. I think that'd be, think it'd be kind of interesting to hear a different perspective. So if anybody does feel differently, definitely
1: write in and let us know. Absolutely. Um, that did remind me of the other thing. I, I wanted to revisit that Children of Men title and how it could you know, apply. And I think here at the end, um, I know, I know Theo even has a thought of like how this child is born and there's a murder and there's betrayal and there's there's someone else gets murdered and there's all this violence and, and human weakness. And, um, so in that sense, I think that's the other children of men. Like the idea of like, uh, this is all sort of created by humanity. And, um, this child is born into it is not a saint, but is in, in fact born to, um, a situation that's very frail and very, you know, I guess human in the like dark sense, like human in the, in the, in the animal sense. And so at the same time as being holy and at the same time, it's like that dichotomy. And like I said earlier, like, I think that's where this novel lives. I think that's to me also what this title means. It's like, on one hand, it's talking about the biblical verse and God and all that. And on the other hand, it's like, um, ultimately this child is born to a person and this person is very human and and down to earth in a sense does that make sense yeah
0: you actually just kind of made me think of something is 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 there something there with this this sort of because i kept talking about like this this uh second chance or like this this new start and it's like all of this destruction and all of this evil was brought about and it's like it's like that that's a chapter ending and like the the potential of innocence and the potential for a new start and a new beginning and and you know something different than all of the destruction and everything that humanity is built up to um is it you know is it saying like with this child a new generation comes and and maybe it can learn from the past generation and try to avoid running into the same obstacles
1: yeah and i don't think it's no, it's no accident that uh theo you know accidentally killed his own child and has been living with the guilt of that and then he is like so integral in bringing about you know the 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 second coming, the new the new race and the new child, and so this I think you're you're right on the money as far as like a second chance that this represents for Theo, um, and so in that sense, yeah, I mean I guess it is hopeful in a way, and in you know even though even though it's still like everything's still couching like there's going to be a there's probably going to be another dictator, things are probably still going to be miserable. Um, it's unclear whether or not this is something that's going to be able to um, truly. Start a new leaf and start a new race, or if it's going to be um, a solitary person who there's even like a, there's a dark reading of it where like what if this child can't have can't have you know uh, yeah can't have kids and like what if Julian can't have another child well, you know what then and then uh, yeah. that's pretty dark like too. what if it
0: what if it was really Luke all along. And he like brought yeah. about one more child and, he's and like it could have been continued, but now he's dead. And yeah, I, I, there was that interesting conversation when, you know, before the gunfight, when Zan was talking about how like we'll see like if he's able to have, you know, the the omegas when he gets to like 13, 14, 15, whenever like the other omegas will be like somewhere around like 40. And like maybe there will be some sort of continuation there. Like he'll be able to to breed with you know omega women and then like help bring about the the new race and and, i don't know i was really interesting and it's just it's they set up a lot of interesting questions i would say because it's like they aren't answered which does leave it kind of open-ended which i do appreciate
1: how ethical is that and how do we feel about it and it seems like there's tons of potential problems with it right and and so much rides on this and we we don't get that future to see if it, if it, if it all works out or not. Um, I guess it's left for the reader to decide, do they think that it actually does work out in the end? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'm happy to leave it here, man. I'm excited to watch this movie and refresh my memory of what actually goes down in it. Um, I remember it's being, uh, being a very well-made movie, so we're going to get into some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. You're going to talk to me about some of the filmmaking that's going on there, and I'm excited to learn about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, Alfonso Cuaron, he's a master filmmaker everyone everyone knows that at this point i think i think honestly that this is this is his best piece of work so i'm really excited to, to jump back into it and kind of refresh myself on it as well and yeah i'm gonna dig in for all the n- little nitty-gritties to see kind of his process and and like what he was bringing to it and why he changed what he did and i think it'll be a, i think it'll be a good watch i'm looking forward to
1: it yeah so hopefully you will come back and join us for that um but Real quick before you go, we have a YouTube channel. We just put up uh, Altered Carbon coverage. It's now on there. So make sure to check that out on YouTube and subscribe while you're there. Also, we wanted to thank Ben E. for being a patron. It's been a while since we thanked him. Uh, he's been a patron for a long time now. So huge thank you. You help keep the show going with your continued support. And we really appreciate it.
0: Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of those at ink to Film and join our Council of Inklings. This project was brought about because of a, a poll. We were looking
1: for interest in sci-fi projects, and it seemed like people were pretty excited about this one, so we decided to go with it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you wanted to be- figure out how to become a patron yourself, go to patreon.com forward slash to film. You can get access to all sorts of bonus content on there. Um, we're going to be recording a new bonus episode here soon. We haven't decided exactly what it's going to be, but we'll be announcing it on social media.
0: Thank you to Jennifer DeLazana for providing our transcripts. And thank you to Ross Bugden for the use of our intro and outro
1: music. All right, that's going to be it for this week. Until next time. Thanks for listening.